This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when I first started, I would stream on days my buddies were having a poker night because they were good buddies. They were really good friends. And I said, guys, I'm going after this. Can you please turn my stream on so I'm off zero viewers? And I turned my own stream on on my PC. They'd turn it on. I'd be at five viewers. And now I've got a little bit of traction. Welcome to Creative Elements, a show where we talk to your favorite creators and learn what it takes to make a living from your art and creativity. I'm your host, Jay Klaus. Let's start the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Creative Elements and Happy New Year. Are you a new year, new you type of person or a new year, same you type of person? In all seriousness, I hope your 2022 is off to a good start. I hope you've had some time to think about this new year and what you hope to accomplish. Right now, I'm a new year, new puppy person. Our little golden retriever puppy, Ted, came home a little bit over a week ago and we're hard at work training that little guy. And I'll be honest, it's not easy. We've got to have eyes on him at all times to make sure he's safe and happy and not peeing on our floor, which means that at any given time, unless he's sleeping, Mallory or I need to be on puppy duty. And that's tough for a workaholic like me, but I'm trying to be patient, trying to slow down, trying to realize that life is not all about work. Life is about the puppies. Anyway, if you want to follow along with our puppy adventures, Mallory created an Instagram account for Ted at ted.klaus on Instagram. When it comes to my new year, my biggest priority for this year is this show. So you can expect more great guests this year, maybe even some more bonus solo episodes. I got a lot of great feedback on my most recent solo episode over Christmas. So thank you for that feedback. And that means that since I'm taking this seriously, I would love your help and support leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify, sharing the show on your social media or with friends. It all goes a long way. I also want to diversify the types of creators on the show even more. So if you have a creator that you want to hear from, someone you've been following and you like their work, please shoot me a message on Twitter at jklaus or on our Instagram at creativeelements.fm. I love getting guest requests because it's an easy way to send a cold message to someone saying, hey, I'm getting requests from my listeners to have you on the show. It's really easy for them to say yes. One area we haven't explored much up to this point is gaming and Twitch streaming. Sometimes those things go hand in hand, but not all the time. You have gamers who stream on Twitch, but there are other types of streaming too. So to get us moving in that direction, today I'm interviewing a good friend of mine, Mitch Long. I've been streaming probably since 2015. 
I've been doing YouTube oh. content. There, there's some deep YouTube videos I'll show you, Jay, where I was I was trying to like I was always a huge fan of Achievement Hunter. They were like an Xbox based like six man group where they would just do commentary and play games. And I thought like that is my dream job. I actually applied and they turned me down. They inspired me a lot to go and get into gaming. I thought like look how much fun these guys are. And naturally I'm an entertainer at heart. Like I love to make people laugh and I love to, you know, do things that bring people joy even when I'm having a bad day, because that, that helps me lift up because I, you know, there's just something bigger here in life, I suppose. Online, Mitch is known as OG Pickle. He's a Twitch partner and a PUBG partner as well. PUBG being the game PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, a battle royale shooter that pits 100 players against each other in a struggle for survival. PUBG partners have an average concurrent viewership of 150 people on Twitch or 50,000 subscribers on YouTube, and they broadcast at least three times per week. That's a really high bar, and being a Twitch partner has a high bar too. Within a 30-day period, you must stream for 25 hours, stream on 12 different days, and average 75 concurrent viewers. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever tried to go live on any platform, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, but 75 concurrent viewers is really tough. And at the risk of trying to do too much with this interview, another reason I wanted to bring Mitch in was to talk about the opportunity for creators to sell their own branded merchandise, because he has a really fascinating story and background there too. When I first started, I got into branding. We made brands for some very, very famous influencers throughout my career before getting into streaming and the, the digital audience, the importance of all that stuff. I was kind of behind the scenes and even before that, we owned a t-shirt store here in Columbus, Ohio, where Jay and I are at, uh, called Lamp Apparel, where we would just make parody shirts of whatever happened in pop culture. Funny that day, someone got arrested, a football team made a horrible play, like we would be the first company to come out with t-shirts and do that. Those shirts included an illustration of former NFL quarterback Johnny Manziel after he notoriously was caught gambling in Las Vegas, wearing a wig and a fake mustache. And as you'll hear in this interview, Lamp's apparel was often seen in the media because of its edgy timeliness or because it was being worn by other influencers. Influencers started to become the focal point. It was less about sponsoring other brands and utilizing celebrities and athletes and musicians, etc. And YouTubers now were coming on the map. And it was about having your own brand, right? It was about why am I hawking Nike stuff if they're not really doing anything for me. I'm boosting their equity, their digital presence, their legitimacy, and I'm not really doing anything for myself. And that paradigm shift happened around 2017. Mitch has had the opportunity to work with a lot of influencers, including a seminal opportunity creating the Maverick brand with Logan Paul. But a quick look over Mitch's Twitter also shows photos with the Kansas City Chiefs' Travis Kelsey and even Mr. Beast, who had some nice things to say about Mitch's streaming. OG Pickles is the most average stream you'll ever find. He also makes me hug him a lot. I don't know why. So in this episode, we talk about Mitch's experience building brands for influencers, the opportunity for creators today to sell merch, how Mitch found initial traction on Twitch, and how networking played a role in his success. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on Twitter at jklaus or on Instagram at creativeelements.fm. Tag me, say hello, let me know that you're listening. And now let's talk with Mitch. I was one of four guys on the team. 
and my boss, Brandon, who has gone on to do some really, really big things uh, in the industry as well, used to call me Pickle when I would come in. What's up, Pickle? How you doing, Pickle? Blah, 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 blah. And I just assumed that was my nickname. He, he called me that, et cetera. And then we started hiring more people and then other people became Pickle. And I said, wait a second, you can't just call me Pickle and now everyone else is Pickle. It's very confusing, et cetera. And he said, well, don't worry, you'll always be the OG Pickle. And for some reason, and, and I don't know that Jay or I can answer the question, but <laughs> nickname stick. And for random reasons, somebody in a hallway must have heard that. The uh, gates of Valhalla had opened. My Zen had reached its maximum peak. And OG Pickle has stuck and since become OG, OG, Pickle, Ponkle, Prinkle, and a whole variety of different uh, extensions beyond that. What was the year that you guys had the t-shirt shop on High Street? So I was, I was uh, actively involved at the beginning of 2013 as kind of like an unpaid intern. I had a video camera and I've always been passionate about film. Jay, even when we were kind of uh, growing up, we all liked to film stuff and video cameras and running around and creating movies and stupid things that just let our ideas get onto digital scenes. I wanted to, I wanted to come to Lamp and bring them something. Like they were doing posts and they had designers and graphics. Like I, I, I found a niche. I found like where I could work. I'm like, hey, this movie stuff's going to be a thing. I've taught myself to edit. I can shoot stuff okay, but I'm willing to like, you know, do this for free as I learn and, and get, you know, feedback from the internet and social media and such. And, and grow through the, through the fires, so to speak, of Reddit. But uh, 2013 to probably 2017 was the, the peak of it, and 2015 being like the maximum where we were, you know, getting called out by uh, cease and desists from a lot of companies and having fun and learning how the world works uh, behind the scenes, both in legality and, and digital uh, economies, so to speak. Real talk, I kind of want to talk about that, uh, the cease and desist thing. Not because I want to get into like any specific uh, sure, shirt you guys it, yeah. did. But um, a lot of people, like they're getting started and for good reason, they're very careful to do things by the book, by the letter. And like that makes a lot of sense. That's probably a really smart thing to do. Yeah. But also, I've just seen a lot of people who have used some provocative stuff as a springboard and the repercussions like weren't super severe. So like, <laughs> talk to me about like, what happens when you step over the line a little bit and a cease and desist comes? I actually actively encourage stepping over the line. Look, everyone can do normal and safe. You're actually probably going to have a more difficult self, uh, difficult time marketing yourself or, or, or creating separation when you do everything so by the book. Now, I'm not asking you to break the rules in terms of super legal, but I am saying try to find ways to bend them. Try to, ways to find ways to separate yourself. The, the most successful people, if you go and, and listen to more people on this podcast or the more people that you, you, you respect and follow in entrepreneurship, probably told you they did something pretty crazy and asked for forgiveness later. Like that's a real quote and there's a reason for that quote. I don't need you to go out there and set fires ablaze and try to you know make yourself into uh, some of these vilified people you see in the digital space. But also, you know, taking risk is a huge step. And, and the second part of your question is, is that of the consequences aren't that bad. Like when, when we've used art and we, we've kind of gone to that nebulous of like, oh, well, that doesn't say his name, but it looks exactly like him on the T-shirt. And people are kind of figuring that out. And like we've used their kind of like pseudo slogans that they have said, but don't own the IP for, you know, you're going to you're going to garner the interest of, of people that also want to make that same kind of money, especially as it becomes popular, a la the people that think that it's their own IP or deservedly so. Cease and desist aren't that scary. Most of the time, the legal or lawyers aren't actually out or blood like nope nobody the, the the rule of thumb behind the scenes and this is not something that anyone should take to, to heart but nobody really wants to go to court 
unless someone is owed like hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's not really worth going to court because by the time you pay your legal fees and you do all this stuff, it just kind of doesn't add up to much. It's just kind of a, a verbal victory rather than actual, you know, money you've made back. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies behind the scenes that will cease and desist, but don't actually have any intention of just like driving you into bankruptcy. And I think that fear is what you're talking about, Jay. It's that fear of like, Ooh, totally. if I take a risk and I get a cease and desist, I'm, my company's over. My life is over. I'm going to jail. Like there, there's a balance there with how far you go, but taking risks and asking for apologies later certainly is the, uh, the, the step you can go there. Yeah. I've never gotten a cease and desist personally, but I, it was very freeing when I realized that was like the next step. Most of the time when you went over the line is like, you get that and you cease, you desist. And it kind of goes away because, yeah, like you said, it, it seems like most people are just trying to optimize for, hey, stop putting this out there because it has a risk to our brand. Uh, we're going to tell you to stop nicely. And if you don't, then we're going to have problems. And it's like, OK, I guess. Correct. You got I think me. people just Done. are scared of talking to lawyers, Jay. I, like if you want to go to the human psychological element of it, it's not so much being sued. It's that you don't go get a lawyer like you go to the doctor or like you go to the grocery store or you go get a haircut or any of the other services in the industry. Lawyer is kind of like usually you're in trouble. Like, oh no, like I have to lawyer up, right? So in a certain regard, I think this always boils down to don't be afraid to go just a lawyer. Like it's not that big of a deal. They know what they're doing and they usually all know each other too. So when something happens, they go, Hey bro, like we're gonna stop, just go away. And the the company goes, Bro, it's good to see. We golfing on nine on Sunday. He's like, Yep, all right, cool. We're done. Let's end this. All right, see ya. Uh, so talk to me then, because there's a period of time where I, I kind of lost track of what you were up to and then like realized you're doing some ridiculous crazy stuff with influencers and merch so how did this like t-shirt concept where we're we're like being kind of edgy and we're taking like pop culture turn into influencer stuff yeah it actually dated back to 2017 that's where the the emergence kind of happened where we were an edgy t-shirt store we were getting into tmz a lot like our shirts were going viral people were seeing them we were known as that like goofy what the heck are these guys doing type company and fortunately, we also lived in Ohio, where Logan Paul is also uh, from. And re regardless of what you think from them, I'm going to tell you my story. And, uh, and you, can, you can decide yourself how you would have gone. But Logan came to our shop one time for a Vine he was filming, uh, him and Roman Atwood. Uh, and Roman asked if he could bring Logan. And we were like, sure, we don't care. Like, we didn't know what influencers were. It was such a, it was like, oh, you're on Vine. Cool. Like, we didn't really understand the power of social media at the time. We were just, you know, make, do our own route, our own digital equity. And that was t-shirt sales. Well, about... 900 people showed up for this video, random people. I mean, he tweet, he vined it out, tweeted it out or whatever, and 900 people showed up at our store. And we what? were sold out. Everything was bought. Like, they emptied us. They liquidated us. Yeah, it was nuts. And so we basically said, what are influencers, dude? I don't know what this is. Like, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm looking at, but there's something here. So long story short, we, we kept in touch with Logan. We'd give him free clothes. He'd wear our clothes. Like, he'd wear the lamp apparel, like, clothes in his vlogs. If you go back to the vlogs, he's wearing only our gear because he liked the way it felt. We used a tri-blend similar to Hamid here in Columbus and other really, really like throwback retro tile shirts. They're really comfy. And then one day we said in 2017, hey, why are you wearing our stuff? Why don't you wear your own? We'll just make it with your stuff on there. And Maverick was born. And uh, again, I reiterate, whatever you think about him is, is, doesn't matter to me because we helped build and pioneer the stepping stones into what was now everybody has merch. And you're nothing without merch and you don't go to Nike anymore and, and brand deals are whack and why aren't you making your own? And 
you know, we've done a lot of really big influencers since since then. Some I can talk about, some I can't talk about, but we've done the top 1%. And I, I can guarantee you've seen the brands that I've had um, a very large portion of helping put together. What's that like behind the scenes creating that type of stuff? Because I've been to a warehouse where you guys were at and it was huge. And I was like, this is insane. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, you're really good at this. If you just go do it, you're going to fail and you're going to find yourself that you, you can find out how to do it. It's really like, I wasn't an expert in ink and presses and, and different types of heat transfers versus graphic uh, prints with ink. And I didn't know about uh, certain print on demand and how they wash versus how. So like, I didn't go into school knowing that or leave college knowing that. Sometimes you just got to go in and do it. And you scale through stepping stones. You know, like my advice is less about how do you do it and more about how you don't take unnecessary risk and how you do it the right way without like overstepping and getting too confident and getting that extra warehouse when you probably could just, you know, rent for a while. You know, my advice pertains more to that of how you don't get too much inventory and and and, and certain ways to not make pitfalls. But at the end of the day, if you just go out and do it and you are not afraid to fail the same way you're not afraid to get a cease and desist, you certainly you certainly can can get there. It just it takes a lot of of hard work. It takes a lot of networking. It takes some luck too. I mean, you have to, you have to differentiate yourself. And that goes back to our original thesis, Jay, where it's like influencers, if you want to work in the industry, like the guy, there was, I just saw a guy the other day, he quit his job and went up to Logan Paul and said, I quit my hundred thousand dollar job. I want to work for you. That's a great start. But then Logan's follow-up question, what was it? He said, okay, do you film well? Do you edit? What do you do? And the guy didn't have an answer. And that's where he lost his pitch, right? So it's, 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 it's kind of a two-part question. It's one, you have to be really good at what you do, specialize and be freaking awesome. And two, you have to take that risk. You have to set, you have to, you know, set them with a premise because if you're not taking up their time as far as influencers or businesses or an opportunity, somebody else wants it too. So you have to think about how you, uh, you know, have a memorable impression. So in a long story short, Jay, it's a, it's a little homogenation of, of all three of those things. Luck, hard work, and then not being afraid to take a weird, like make people be like, you're weird. After a quick break, Mitch and I talk about whether or not there is still an opportunity for creators to create and sell branded merch. And a little bit later, we dig into how someone can succeed as a Twitch streamer. So stick around and we'll be right back. If you know me, you know how much I believe in memberships. My membership is the core of my business and earning an income directly from your audience is one of the most sustainable ways for you to become a professional creator too. So I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Uscreen. Uscreen is a beautiful all-in-one platform that helps content creators earn a living from their videos by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. You can host private live streams for your members, build an on-demand catalog of premium content, and Uscreen gives you a community hub to interact with your members too. They can access your community from their mobile phone, so your membership is right there in their pocket. With a Uscreen account, you get video hosting, an out-of-the-box website, full payment and subscription management, and plenty of third-party integrations too. And Uscreen makes it easy to get set up. You get access to powerful website themes that are fully brandable with no coding skills required. Uscreen will even provide a dedicated success manager for you. Just about anyone that wants to make money from their content can do it with Uscreen. It's perfect for coaches, authors, influencers, and entrepreneurs in just about any niche. Right now, Uscreen is used by creators in fitness, education, news, kids entertainment, and more. That includes Yoga with Adrian and Creator Now, just to name a couple. Uscreen is the platform for building a video membership site that is great for generating a sustainable income for professional creators. If you create video content for your audience, I highly recommend checking it out. If you're interested in learning more about Uscreen, visit uscreen.link/j. 
That's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot link slash J and let them know that I sent you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Last year, my wife and I started talking about her joining the business full time. This is a huge decision, not just for the business, but for our marriage. My wife, being the very smart and thoughtful woman that she is, suggested that we proactively sign up for therapy as a couple to help us communicate better before we started working together. It really helped us have better language to describe how we're feeling and listen to one another, which generally lowers the intensity of any conversation. Now, I had never been in therapy before, but here's something that I didn't expect. It didn't just help our dialogue, but it helped my inner monologue too. The way I understand my own experience has changed based on the tools that I got from therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's convenient, it fits your schedule, and you can be in the comfort of your own home. Just fill out a short questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. They even make it easy to switch therapists if it doesn't feel like a fit. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash creator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash creator. Welcome back to my conversation with Mitch Long, a.k.a. OG Pickle. Before the break, Mitch told us the story of how his team helped Logan Paul launch the Maverick brand. And of course, I think every creator would want to create and sell merch if that was a reliable means of diversifying revenue for their business. But there is often a first mover advantage to things like this too, where the first cohort of people to offer it find success, but it becomes less and less viable for people as time passes. So I asked Mitch if he thinks that branded merch is still on the rise as an opportunity for creators. Great question. Actually, great question. And for maybe not even being as intimate with the scene as you are, that's a, that's, that's a fantastic question. I'm going to give you kudos there. In 2017, it, it went like this. Logan Paul puts on t-shirt. There's very little competitors out there. There's very little uh, anyone else with merch. It's seen as a luxury. Like you got to be a million subscribers to get merch, right? And that's how companies treated it because it requires risk and inventory and designers and time. And it's very scary, right? It's a risk for the company to share profit with an influencer. All Logan had to do back in the day on the vlog was to go, hey, yo, Logan, what's popping? Go buy my merch, shoploganpaul.com, loganpaul.com slash shop. And everyone remembered it like it was a Coca-Cola brand and the sites flooded and it sold out because there was nobody else. Through time and saturation and competition through not just my company, but other competitors and people finding ways to do it cheaper, better, faster, print on demand, no, ain't, no screen print, no held inventory, pre-sales, like all these really strategic activations around giveaways and flyouts and all kinds of legal gambling lottery type picks where if you buy merch, we'll give you a million dollars type wild stuff. It's now 2021. Everyone has merch. I mean, I have merch. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tier three Twitch stream influencer. Jay, I mean, the podcast can have merch. You can go to any numerous companies with the Amazon model and get this stuff on demand. You don't even have to like do, you can just like upload an image now and it like puts it on the shirt for you wherever you want it. Like it's, it's so saturated that merch will always be a part of finding a physical connection to an influencer. No, no different than tour merch. But no different than tour merch, I guarantee the Lumineers or, or um, you know, ACDC or whoever doesn't go out and say that that's their number one sales point, right? So it's, it's kind of very similar to that now. Yeah, I've, I've never really participated in this until literally this week. I saw Jack Butcher put out a tweet of a sweater he did that just had the word internet across the chest like it was like a university tee. And I was like, yep, finally, I'm going to buy that thing. So I think there's some opportunity still. But if someone's listening to the show and they're a creator or maybe even me, 
Like when should I be thinking about, okay, it makes sense to do this now? I don't think there's a time limit anymore. There is no luxury. I think, look, micro-influencer merch in comparison to scale can't be compared in dollars. It can just be compared to how much conversion you have as far as your brand. So if you have 10 followers and you have nine people buy, that's when you should have merch, right? If you have 100,000 followers and nine people buy, you should still probably have merch even though your conversion rate sucks. So to me, it's no less than asking now, should I have Twitter and Instagram for my business or my personal brand? The answer is yes. Should I have merch for my brand? Yes. And there are easy ways to do it. Should I have a website? Probably. Should I have a way for them to connect to me through different activations or get in touch with me or like... It's all a part of a, of a um, all tides rise the same type mentality. And I think I put merch on the same pedestal as social media now, where once it was, uh, oh, you have a Twitter. What the heck is that? Now everyone has Twitter. Oh, you have merch. Now everyone has merch. You guys had all the infrastructure. So I'm sure you did your own printing for your stuff, but someone getting started and they're like, okay, in, do you think they should just start with print on demand? Yes. I think the one, the one pitfall people make is they want to come out and have their stuff look like gold. I don't think that's the expectation of your, your communities. I know a lot of uh, people will take pride in what they do and they take pride in having the stuff feel and look just like Under Armour, but it's just not a realistic expectation. In a way, people get hung up on thinking that quality is going to be a huge issue when there's slight differentiations when they realize or don't realize that they're their number one critic, that someone just wants to connect with you. And I've had really bad tour merch. You know, I've had I've had tall tech and some of these really uncomfortable tour merch, but I love this band. And, you know, even if I don't wear it or I wear it occasionally, it's not about the comfort of the fit. It's about what do I represent? And I'm, I'm a walking billboard for X, Y or Z. And so um, giving yourself an option to even have that connection where super fans can buy your stuff or be walking billboards to invite new fans to understand who you are or create conversations around your brand. You shouldn't limit that the same way you shouldn't, you know, deprive yourself of, of going viral on Twitter or having an email for somebody to get a hold of you. Yeah, that's kind of the unlock I've had recently thinking about this exact topic because I've been thinking about just community generally around my work a lot lately now that I'm dabbling in the NFT space and hanging out in a lot of discords, including your discord now. It's like, all right, I know the, the margins aren't going to be high on print on demand, but that's not really the point. The point is like, how do I deepen and build different relationships with people who really, really care and mm-hmm. even create like, connectivity and access and conversations with those people because like they support me i want to support them i want like this really tight-knit group of people who just love the show for example and Mm -hmm. that's just awesome i feel like that's something i've undervalued there's a lot of companies out there now where they'll hold all the inventory like it's literally print on demand you can and if you if you really don't have the time efficacy money whatever it is understanding of how domains work and creating websites you can use theirs. Like it's to the point where it's so saturated that you can, if you don't mind having streamelements.com backslash co slash J Klaus on your thing and you don't have any pride or not, I wouldn't even say pride. Like you're just indifferent on the branding aspect of pushing your data to somebody else's site. They'll literally host your domain, put all your shirts up there. You can easily customize it, set the pricing. I mean, it's nuts. And then there's others like Printful where if you have jklaus.com now, you can, you can just drop the app in and then they put all your stuff on the site from bean bags to hats to mugs with a drop of a logo. So, I mean, thinking about where I came from in 2017, where you pretty much had to like chop the wood down, heat the furnace, put the furnace, melt the ink. You know, it's seeming so like uh, archaic 
now it's 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 turned into a, a tech cycle of making this super super easy for everyone to participate because there's money to be made and people are always continually buying products like that. Now that we've explored some of Mitch's journey in the influencer space, I wanted to dig deeper into his experience gaming on Twitch. As I shared in the intro, Mitch is now a Twitch partner as well as a PUBG partner, which are statuses that come with some pretty high requirements. Gaming has always been an addiction, and I use that not lightly. I, I, could, I can be tired from staying up with my kids all night, have zero energy. I couldn't even get to, to work on time. But if you said we'll be there at nine o'clock to game, I'm immediately testosterone. Like I'm just uh, adrenaline and every, like I'm just ready to go. I'm like, let's game. Yeah, you're right. But I've been gaming since way, way back uh, in the Sega Genesis. And I just never quit. I got every system growing up. And, and now in 2015, there was this route where Justin TV was becoming Twitch. And you had this ability to entertain and, and inspire. And I already had a little bit of a following just being around these influencers that I kind of was leveraging a little bit of influencer love and, you know, shout outs from some buddies, plus, you know, my love for gaming addiction, so to speak, plus entertainment. It was just like the perfect synergy of like, oh my gosh, I love all three of these things. I can be on a stage and play video game and people talk to me and maybe pay you. It was worth the shot for me. What were your expectations of when that might actually have a financial return on your time? You know, it's tough because I, I, I actually came with it the right way. I had a full-time job. I didn't bet the house on becoming a streamer. I didn't quit my job and go into it thinking like, oh yeah, we're going to start. You know, I kind of had a mix. Did I think it would take a long time? Yeah. Did I think it would take as long as it did? No. So I was kind of in that like, uh, you know, at a certain point you're like, you think you're at the peak of the mountain and you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, I have so far to go. And that's where a lot of people quit. So I, you know, I had an expectation that it would take a year or two before I've really got to where I am now. It's about year four or five. So it's like, <laughs> it's a lot of work and consistency and having to love it every day. No different than building a business in a physical world. It's the same in a digital realm too. I think people just have an expectation that viewers come quicker and easier and just want to come see you every day. Yeah, I didn't realize you were doing it that early on. I just didn't have anybody watching and I was really bad at it. That's why. If you didn't know I was doing it on in 2015, I was actually under the guise of OG Pickle Gaming. I, I didn't leverage my own personal Twitters. I made it a completely separate entity. I didn't do anything uh, to network. I didn't do anything to... I just made the mistake that probably, honestly, 90% of people make on Twitch. I just flipped the switch on. I said, going live. And then I just, doop, doop, doop. Oh, nobody showed up today. That sucks and got off. You know, And I didn't think about the consequences of making changes, adjustments, what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right, what I could be doing better. Well, given that you're using like a pseudonym, obviously, you worked with a lot of influencers who use their actual name. How do you think about trying to build a business behind your literal name for your brand? Have you seen like, do you have a reason to believe that it's a path to go versus not go? I've changed my stance on this in the beginning. At the very early stages of it, I used OG Pickle because it was a brand. It's fun. It's a pickle. It's kind of catchier. It's, you know, like pickles are just a weird thing, right? Like you're just like, oh, it's a pickle. Like somebody says it's kind of quirky fun in your ears. And also it's a pickle. They're like, it's just like a weird looking fruity vegetable looking thing, right? And everyone's got opinions on it either way. And I love that. I thought, you know, either you love or hate pickles. Like that's not a, that's not like, ah, oh, you know, sometimes I like turkey other days I don't. And I ran with it and there was, there was two parts. One, I wanted to start a family and, and, and uh, have this anonymity where nobody knew who I was and protect myself because if I screw up online, 
and it's in my name, it, that's easily getting back to the Logan Pauls of the world and work and stuff. And and this not being my full time job, it's not really worth risking a salary to go pursue the the passion project where I, I I say something bad or I make something bad or I make an assumption or a bad judgment call in the moment, which can happen. Like uh, I'm not I'm not saying it can't. I'm just saying if it did. As I've grown in year five, I am a lot different than I was in year one. I've learned that it's less about being this boastful brand of I am the pickle. I am who you should think of and worship me. And I've learned it's more about this human emotion of connectivity and, and, and community and being there as like a beacon of, of kindness and an ear and, and giving back and kind of finding this feedback of like, hey, we're just here for you and, and you make me feel good. But I don't care about the game. And once I kind of realized that, I've started to shift my Twitter handles. I'm always going to be OG Pickle, but I've actually added Mitch to it. Because I think it adds a level of personality. Like, I almost like taking off the Darth Vader helmet and you're just like, hey, like, I'm just a normal dude. And I've seen probably five to 10x my returns wow. these past months where I've done this and, and, and stopping, stopping this paradigm shift where it's about the influencer and the brand. It is. It will always be about that. But now it's about like, dude, we get it. There's a million, just like there was merch back in the day. Dude, we get it. You have merch. It's, dude, we get it. You have an awesome brand. But like, I kind of just want to know Mitch a little bit. Like, that's why I watch. I don't watch because I worship this OG pickle symbolism. I watch because like Mitch is a nice guy and Mitch contacts me and Mitch answers my Discord questions and Mitch thanks me when I gift him a sub. And I think um, I've gone that route and it's worked for me. And I think it would work a lot for micro influencers who are trying to make their way up. When we come back, Mitch and I talk about what it takes to be successful streaming on Twitch and how he found initial traction right after this. This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement. For the past decade, Podcast Movement has organized the world's largest gathering of podcasters, featuring thousands of attendees, hundreds of breakout sessions, panels, and workshops, plus the largest trade show in podcasting. Podcast Movement helps podcasters of all experience levels create, grow, and profit from their show. It's suitable for beginners, but you'll also have the opportunity to meet some of the biggest names in the industry. I've been to several podcast movement events, and not only is the programming incredible, but the culture and vibe are incredible too. It attracts thoughtful, empathetic, and collaborative people, which makes sense when you think about the medium of podcasting. Podcast Movement hosts two events per year. The first just wrapped up, but their flagship conference is happening August 19th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Attendees have the freedom to choose their own adventure across several different stages throughout the four-day event, not to mention dozens of amazing networking events, parties, and the expo hall floor. Tracks include podcast creation, video and live streaming, industry professional, plus several stages of curated programming from some of the top companies in podcasting. It's truly a unique event, and if you are a podcaster, I cannot recommend it enough. Right now, tickets are available at super duper early bird pricing. And as a Creator Science listener, you can save $50 on top of that by visiting podcastmovement.com slash science. That's podcastmovement.com slash science. Hey, welcome back. We haven't covered Twitch much on this show so far, so I wanted to talk to Mitch about the path to success in streaming. What should someone know who wants to get started? And do you need to be a gamer to succeed as a Twitch streamer? I think setting expectations is the number one goal. Setting realistic expectations. Like, you wouldn't go into a project trying to build a house and think you'd have it done in a week. 
right? Like you, there's materials and there's concepts and there's setbacks and there's budget and there's time and efficacy. Like there's just so much more to it. So number one is make sure your mental health is in check and you feel good about it because it's not an easy journey. You have to be confident and you have to love this. Not just like it, like I'm going to play in passing. You have to love what you do. No different than your podcast. Yeah, you have to love podcasting to get through the sea of podcasts that are out there. There's a billion of them. Everyone's got a podcast. I could start a podcast tomorrow, right? Please don't. I won't. No, I won't. I've no, I'll just join you. We'll just do it up. We'll just add another one. But one is set realistic expectations. Like know what it's going to take and know how much time you can realistically set aside a day and be consistent with that. Like it's okay to not be live. It's okay in the beginning. Like if you're going to say Monday's at five, I have time after work. Saturday's at 1 p.m. I know I can do it. And Sunday's at 2 p.m. I can do it. Do those three days and do them really well and get super consistent the same way you got consistent about posting on socials and posting every day or twice a day at 10 a.m., 6 p.m., whatever. You know, you, you have your cadence as, a, as, a, as someone who wants to get in this. You know you can do it. And if you lack consistencies, find that consistency. So two parts, set realistic expectation and find consistency in what you do, not biting off more than you can chew in the beginning because burnout's very real in these industries. Two, find something that brings you joy, right? Jay, you said it, you said it really, really good. Really, really well. Really, really good. Um, really good. He, he said it really well. <laughs> Look, I'm an influencer. I don't have to know English and grammatics. He said it really well. You don't have to just do gaming on Twitch. Like the, the evolving industry in Twitch is, is, a, is both multifaceted. There are people making money just being in hot tub streams right now, live. It's like, what? What? Like, granted, for what, for what you take of it, whatever. There's people doing art. There's people that do origami. There's people that do stand-up comedy. There's people that do... TED Talk-esque. There's people that do armchair psychology-esque. There's people that body paint. There's people that skydive or run or just do IRL walking around the city. Like, you have to find something that brings you joy. It just so happens that video games, what I grew up with, bring me joy. But if you are an artist and you want to get out there and you want to try to explore these new means of, of technology that are offering the ability to grow digital communities, then just do it. Just go into the art scene and, and double down on it and, and try it that way and give it a go. You stream for three to four hours at a time. That sounds crazy to me. How do you do that? Is that what most people do? Uh, most people actually go like eight if you're a full-time streamer. What? I, I, yeah, it's, they're like full-time jobs. I, I have a full-time job plus some side gigs. Plus I just bite off more than I can chew because I, I'm a sicko in the head. And then I get my kids from, from daycare. I feed, cook, clean, bathe, put them to bed. And then I stream for four hours after that. I just love what I do. I mean, when people, when people say that, you know, it feels storybook-esque and it feels like corny and people like, oh yeah, you love what you do, cool. Like, but when you really find joy in something and you truly love it, it's not like work. Like by the time I look at the clock, like it's very, very rare occasions when I tell myself like, oh, we done yet. And mostly it's just because it's fatigue. It's not mental fatigue. It's just like fatigue. Like I got to go to bed because I got a meeting at seven, right? But when you love it, you find that passion and energy. And I encourage everyone not to be this corny, like, you know, cue the, cue the movie soundtrack behind me. But if you're in a job or something that you hate and you actually dread getting up in the morning, like, make a change. Like, just do it. Because you're highly marketable. You can go get a new job. And if you fail taking a risk, you can always go back to those similar jobs because you've already had one. You know, you, you know what it takes to get it. And so, long story short, it just doesn't feel like work. I love this. I love being in it. And I love entertaining that much. Weird question. Does your wife come on the stream? No. Like, we don't. It's not even a part of the dialogue by her choice. Like, I signed up for this before I was gonna, she did. That's, what I, that's exactly what I was wondering. Because I, like, I yeah. have the same question myself if this was something I was going to jump into. It's like, how do I manage that dynamic with a relationship? 
Yeah, it's it's by choice. And I think uh, as you are going into that too, Jay, it's a similar thing. Congrats, by the way. It's going to be her choice. And how you develop that into your own content is one of two ways. One, embrace, and it becomes a character in the show. A real character, but it becomes like, uh, you know, another character that's in the room and people cheer when she comes in because they're team her, not team you, right? Like, that's fun. Like, it becomes a real, like, pseudo sociology kind of thing. And then there's deny. And if she doesn't want involved, she's not involved. And there is no involvement. Now, there are light questions like, you know, how does she feel about it? Ah, she thinks I'm crazy. La, 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 la. Moving on, right? There are just two steps you can go about it. And that it's, it is black and white and there is no pseudo. It's if she changes her mind. Great. If she doesn't, then there is no story arc for that. And you just don't even bring it up. You don't you don't shed it to light. And privacy is a very real thing. It's because while I see the good in online, there is also very bad in online. Totally. One of the things that scares me about live as a format, whether that's Instagram live, Facebook live, streaming on YouTube, streaming on Twitch. If you don't have people who are anticipating that you go live or available and interested to watch when you do go live, when you're starting out, it seems like you're performing to an empty room and you can do that for a really long time, which just feels awful. <laughs> so like somebody starting out, how do you cope with that? You have to, you have to do two things. One, you have to know that this is just a temporary phase because this is part of the process and it's the most unfun part of the process. Like when I'm playing games, for example, I can give you an example. I just talked to myself. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a guy over there. This is going to be crazy. All right, all right, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this grenade. And I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it off this bill. Oh, just wait, wait. This is going to be great. It's going to be great. And I just had to talk to myself for a very long time. Like nobody was in, I'm not talking, like that example I made, I'm not talking to anybody. There's nobody there. But if somebody stumbled in, I had to be prepped as if I'm not just like completely mute, just like looking at a, like nobody's going to want to watch that. Nobody's going to want to stroll into a stream and be like, okay, this guy's like, just only on the game like because it's about them twitch is about the community it's about chat it has nothing to do with the game sometimes it does if you're pro level-esque but even those guys if you look at sub comparisons to like entertaining streamer versus like just absolute sharpshooters it's the creators that make so much more money it's no different than saying a youtuber makes more money than a professional photographer why because it's just a crazy different you know dynamic so one is love the process and don't get down on yourself and two the mistake people don't make is like ask your friends Ask your personal intrinsic connectivity network you've already built. You got a mom, you got a dad, great. You got a cousin, you got a grandma, you got an uncle, you got best friends. So when I first started, I would stream on days my buddies were having a poker night because they were good buddies. They were really good friends. And I said, guys, I'm going after this. Can you please turn my stream on so I'm off zero viewers? And I turned my own stream on on my PC. They'd turn it on, I'd be at five viewers. And now I've got a little bit of traction. And now one person would trickle in and I would convince them that I'm cool. Then they would stay right? Two people would come in. Only one of those would stay. One would leave. And then I would ask more friends. I would use my Facebook and all these old school things, but you still have a ton of tractability on Facebook. If you said, hey, cousin Jenny, I haven't talked to you in two months, but I, I'm live often. I would love to talk with you if you want to come in and, and like connect with me and just like have a back and forth. Like, I know I miss you. You miss me too. Here's a really good way. People came. I had so many people react like, dude, what are you doing since high school? Oh my God, this is you're gaming now. Like I had so many reactions and so much like talk, talking points that I, I go back and say, and, and fun fact, all those guys that supported me at poker matches are my moderators now. They get paid when I get have big money sessions and wow. they got rewarded with swords and, and power and, and uh, you know, I've given a lot of gifts to them because the, the money has been good. And, you know, one of, one of my mods and I are going out to Vegas next month and I'm flying them out and we're just having a good time and it's kind of reciprocating itself. But don't 
fail to see your own network. Even when you think you have no social network in the strange public, you have one in private and use it and get yourself off zero. Dude, love that. You're so good at it too in like a non-pressure casual way. Like the last time I texted you, you're like, hey, I'm streaming, come win some Bitcoin. I was like, okay. Dropped in. Within like 60 seconds, you were like, hey, Jay, welcome. And you started talking to me. And I was like, this is awesome. So I started talking back in the chat. It was awesome. How is the discoverability on Twitch? Like, are people just stumbling in off the street for the first time to your streams a lot? Or does it go a lot of word of mouth? Twitch is terrible. I, I, I'm successful on the platform. I probably could be more successful if I put the energy into different platforms and went as hard as I did, but I just don't have that kind of energy left anymore. Twitch discoverability is really difficult. I'll be honest with you. Finding ways to do that is very difficult if you tr- trust the concept of a, a logarithm. If you trust just how it will do naturally, you probably will see the slowest success ever. You know, one of the points that I, I make is about networking. Twitch is all about networking and, and having a good product. If you have a good product, you have confidence in your networking, you can go talk to people. And sadly, for those that are listening that are going to take a little bit of advice from me and, and learn a little bit, all we're doing is stealing from other people's communities. There's only one bucket of Twitch viewers, specifically smaller buckets and specific games that you're playing, right? If you're consistent. So all you're trying to do is convince other people that your product is better than others. And, and in doing so, Sometimes you have to play with other people. I mean, that's, that's one of the ways that I, I grow. Now, I don't maliciously go and do that. I'm telling you what's the intrinsic nature of human psychology behind the scenes. I go because I genuinely want to play with somebody. You will meet people that genuinely just want to steal from you too, right? There's no different than IRL, right? Like, that's just, that's just like, do you actually want to work with me? Do you actually like me? Or, you know, you'll have those questions. But networking is key. You have to be able to put together a good product first before you even reach out to so-and-so. Again, we talked about that Logan Paul example on the podcast. I have a ton of people that reach out that want to play with me. But if my next question is, what do you offer besides I'm a nice guy? Like, look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really nice when it comes to Twitch. I'm really kind and I try to give people opportunities because I came from zero too. But if you really have nothing to offer me, it's very difficult for me to open up my community that I worked so hard to give you access like you've been here for, since the beginning. Spending time in someone's chat for a very long time earns that. If somebody of two years who has continually talked, chatted with me, been there for me, answered me, reached out, I'm way more apt to bring them on board if they have a passion project than somebody that I don't know that's, that's like offering nothing or has some viewership, right? So it's, it's taken into consideration time and, and networking and, and how you even, not just people that are asking you, but how you position yourself for the next. Because all you're trying to do is, if you have five viewers, try to play with someone with 10. If you get 10 viewers, try to play with somebody with 20. If you have 20 viewers, try to play with someone who has 40. If you have 40 viewers, try to play with somebody who has 70. 70 viewers, 140, 200, 600, 1200. And that's, that's the ladder you try to, 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 um, to try to chase. But just as Littlefinger said, chaos is a ladder. So if you're trying to build your, your viewership and everyone's just kind of borrowing from each other because the, the pie is not growing super quickly, it seems like community takes a huge precedence in this, this world. So how do you think about like building and cultivating community from, from your viewers? You have to find a way to authentically do it because it is the end all be all. If you have no community, you have no conversion, you have no trust, you have no backbone, you have no support on your high days or no support on your low days. Like they're all mundane then. For me, community, community is about authenticity when, when you get the opportunity. First and foremost, you have to have a good product that attracts people. They have to say to themselves, oh, I really like this guy. What's he about? And then when you, that moment hits and they gave you that window, 
you have to prove it to people that you're there for them. You're not there for their money. You're not there for, I mean, all communities are, are different in terms of whether you build them on Twitter, Twitch, or Instagram, whatever, you know, Triller, TikTok, OnlyFans, like legit. I'm not even like trolling here. It's about what the community necessarily is seeking. And in something like Twitch, where they're constantly chat and, and, and talking to you during the game, what they're looking for is usually instant feedback, validation, support, and comfort. Uh, in certain ways, because you would never watch a video game and chat during it unless you were looking to get a two-way street with this. And so for me, it's about fostering this, taking all those into consideration. The one thing I want to foster is mental health. A lot of people that are on this platform have a very tough time. They won't talk to you about it. They won't say it. But what I found out behind the scenes on Discord is that people are not in a really good spot. They flip you on not to watch PUBG, not to watch Fortnite, not to watch they watch you because you bring them joy. You give them companionship. You make them laugh. You make them, you know, feel like they're in something bigger because outside the internet, they might be in some shit. They might hate their job. Their wife left them. They had a, a passing away of a family member. They're lonely. They're depressional. Like those are ve- like a lot of people on Twitch seek that because they're missing one of those things. And even if it's just basic community, you're a loner a little bit. You like to chat and you like to go back and do your thing. Great. You're happy. But you know, one of those things is usually the key. And I try to take that in consideration when I push that start button. And that seemed to foster a lot of really good relationships. How hard is it to move someone from like first time viewer of your stream to getting into your Discord community? Anything that creates some kind of next task, whether it's uh, too many steps on a website, whether it's to get up off your butt, you hear a really cool clip like maybe on Twitter and you're like, hey, go to my Spotify and subscribe. Like that step is really tough. It really is seemingly mundane as that is to get them to leave a web page that takes 0.3 seconds to load or an app that takes 0.7 seconds to start up. It's really difficult to get people to convert. So I've had to create very unique initiatives to get people to join Discord. One, word of mouth. Like your super fans are going to join. Great. Hey, you want to stay in touch with me? Check out the Discord, exclamation mark Discord in the chat right now. You can just talk to me behind the scenes. Like give them benefits, right? Like basic benefits. But what I've done is I've created the Bitcoin marbles that you talked about. And I give back. I create an incentive. I have sponsors. I convert that money to Bitcoin and we give it away. Why? Too, it's speculative. It's fun. People are fearful, but kind of excited about it. I happen to know a lot about it and I'm changing people's lives. Legit. I'm legit changing lives. They won't realize it for five to 10 years, but I'm giving away. I've given away about $20,000, 15 to $20,000 in the last seven months in Bitcoin. And that, if you think about compounding over, you know, years over years of years, it's a, it's a lot of money. Race number two of 10, Rada taking home first place right meow. Make sure you message me on Discord. Rada, congratulations on taking home first place. And let's see who's going to take home second place right now. Emoji Pickle in the hot booth with all my friends here in Bitcoin Marbles Madness. The last one before the year. I appreciate everyone donating all year. Appreciate everything you've done for me. Appreciate everything you've done for others. But man, we're doing some kick-ass stuff here in this chat. I promise you that. So I'm teaching a little bit. So they, they get that knowledge base. They get the incentive base. They get that community fund. Where, oh my God, congrats, you won, dude. That's sick. Right? And we get people very excited to give to others because some people don't want to stream. They just want to be charitable to others. There's rich people out there that just want to give back and, and I'm that vehicle to do so. But spinning all of those things into a closing point, you have to be a part of the Discord to, to get your money. So, uh. <laughs> ta-da! Like it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's still like that whoop. With a rug, like, oh, dude, you won. That's awesome. Make sure you're in the Discord so I can verify it's you and then I can send you your money. And boom, these things, I've been boosting my Discord like crazy. Yeah, because I would assume, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I would assume that if I'm in the Discord, I'm deepening my relationship with Mitch, with the community. I'm more likely to show up to the next stream too. So Correct. like, it's, it's, it's just like, 
I know, okay, you're here watching. Awesome. I want to go deeper. Need to get you into Discord because that's where we're going to learn more about each other. I can have more direct interaction where people aren't watching me right now. It seems like that would be the move. Yeah, it's it is. It's it's like it's like, hey, I want more. I really appreciated this time today. I'd like to learn more about your community. I'd like to explore. And it's on me to provide incentive. If they just land on a page where it's just like, hey, cool, here, here's every, like, <laughs> like you just like have a party with no cocktails or hors d'oeuvres, people are going to probably leave, right? Like you have to think of it as like, what's my incentive? But if I have access, like I've got a guy that does yoga and he does really good mental health. So if you want to go live with him and do yoga at like six in the morning, like I've done that and I incentivize it. I have a girl that makes soaps and she wants to sell soaps and has really cool, like really good smelling soaps. I have a guy that talks about Bitcoin. I have a guy that talks about stocks. Now, these are all different people. So, you know, I take the passions that I that is a part of probably why they fall in the beginning. Oh, I, he's financially illiterate. He likes to talk about stocks and, and IPOs, ICOs, and, and all these like futuristic technologies. Uh, he likes to talk about gaming. You know, so I have, I have funnels that when they land in the Discord, they can pick the little sub community or subreddits of what they want. You want to go learn more about Bitcoin? Go talk to my boy, Big Sky Crypto. He'll help you out every day. You want to talk about stocks? My boy Barrett talks about it. You want to go talk about PUBG? There's a million people in there talking about it with. Well, not just, um, this isn't just true of Twitch communities. Like a lot of communities about connection and companionship. How do you protect yourself and your own mental health when, you know, you could have hundreds of people in a community who are there because they enjoy watching you. They might want to chat just like all the time. How do you mm -hmm. keep yourself from spending all your time in Discord or being like somebody's lifeline all the time? You have to create that early on. You have to be very transparent that even even like the jokes or the little quirps or the things they're trying to get you to pick up on that's like validating their behavior is shut down immediately. And it doesn't, I, 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 think, I think the best compliment you gave me today is I try to do things like not salesy. Like, and when someone's doing that, I, I'm, I, I, I don't like make it like entertainment. I stop the show. And I'm like, hey, bro, like, I just can't do that. Like, I got two kids at home. Like, I can't chat with you every day. I appreciate you, though. Like, I really do. And, and thank you for being here. And if you need me, I'm, I'm going to answer my time. I promise I'll answer. But like, I got I got obligations. You know, I can't play with you. I'm sorry, bro. You can't join. Like, I, I, I can't just ask this guy. Like, there are really polite ways to excuse someone without offending somebody. So it's finding your tone of voice for sure of how you would like to address those. But more importantly, it's you got to shut that down early because there are people that become codependent. There are people that will subscribe to you and say, I just gave you $10,000 and now you won't do this. I think there are people that do that. And like the streamers are dicks too. They're like, dude, that guy did give you 10K. You can take 30 minutes of your day and find time and set it up, right? I think some people are dickheads about it and like way too dramatic. Like oh, you're at my stream and you give me money and not you now you expect something. Okay. You can still give a little reciprocation, like shut up, like you're, you're, you're drinking your own Kool-Aid too much. So it's a balance between how much you're willing to reciprocate, if you're willing to reciprocate, and understanding that there are consequences to reciprocation of if somebody's giving you their time, talent, and or money. And how you shut that down needs to be in your tone of voice. So it's, it's really a, a culmination of those three. And, and the last one is just don't be a dick. Like understand there are people on the other side of the screen. If I'm thinking about getting started streaming, how much should I invest in like my equipment to start? Because it seems like the bar is getting higher all the time. You just showed me like you have three camera angles and you have like a whole setup where you can just like see yourself dancing from overhead. That's awesome. Uh, but if, if I'm getting started, what's like the bare minimum that I need to have to give myself a shot? You know, I think that's a critical mistake. I think that's a fallacy that is growing, but it's a fallacy nonetheless. You don't need good shit to start. There's still streamers that have made it with no webcams, bro. Like there are people out there that, that, Think of it as if you got into anything else. If you were getting into guitar, are you really going to go out and buy like a $3,000 guitar? 
Probably not. You're probably going to whittle around and see if you're passionate about it. And you're going to play on this $300 little dinky thing. And if you really love it and you've maximized the use of it, then you invest in another. But it's not about having $10,000 worth of equipment in the beginning. I didn't. I started on, like, my setup was embarrassing. I streamed off an iMac with, like, a, a Blackmagic converter to an Xbox, and it was garbage. I got, like, like, it was garbage. But I had a great product and a personality, and people stayed, and I was consistent, and I was always there. And then it became less about how many frames per second and when is Mitch going to show up. And it's your job to create that paradigm shift. But do not make the mistake of thinking you need to buy all the things and have the best of stuff. Treat streaming no differently than you would if you got a passion into bocce ball golf or you know basketball you're not just going to go out and buy millions of dollars for the stuff to try to get good at it man i am blown away by people like mitch who can stream for three to eight hours per day that feels like such a big performance to me but when you're doing something you love it might actually just be the easiest most enjoyable way that you could spend your time and it was good to hear that you shouldn't invest in crazy gear right away if you want to get started streaming. I love Mitch's analogy of if you're going to learn guitar, you wouldn't start out with buying a crazy expensive $3,000 guitar until you know that you're going to really use it. I'm definitely thinking about Creative Elements merch. I have some leftover stickers in the old artwork style, but nothing yet in the new artwork style. I've actually been thinking about creating some shirts or sweaters with some of the actual elements mentioned on this show. So if that sounds interesting to you, message me and let me know. If you want to learn more about Mitch, you can visit his Twitch at It's OG Pickle or on Twitter at It's OG Pickle. Links to both are in the show notes. Thanks to Mitch for being on the show. Thank you to Emily Klaus for making the artwork for this episode. Thanks to Nathan Townhunter for mixing this show and Brian Skeel for creating our music. If you like this episode, you can tweet at jklaus and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Sonic Universe.